Well, good morning. I'm excited to be with you again today. As Scott mentioned earlier, Pastor Corey, he will be back next week. We can all kind of breathe a sigh of relief that he's going to be back. Uh, and then in two weeks, he's kicking off a brand new teaching series called Swimming Upstream. And during this series, he's going to tackle some of the most difficult questions that we're facing in our current cultural context, questions that uh, many of our students and even our adults are struggling with and seeking answers to. So I would encourage you to be here for that series, and it's a great series to invite somebody to as well. So this morning, uh, we are wrapping up our series called Unoffended, and during this series, we've been talking about living an unoffended life and a culture of offense. Now, here's what I need you to do before we jump into today's message. I want you to think of that person in your life who consistently offends you. That person who rubs you the wrong way, that, that kind of gets under your, your, your skin, that makes your, your, your blood boil a bit, that, that person that constantly is offending you. And I know for several of you, there, there, there may be a, quite a few names coming to mind. You may have a list that you're already compiling in your head, but the assignment today is just pick one. Just one. I want you to pick your favorite offensive person. And for you, maybe it's, it's a sibling. You know, you and your sibling, you just butt heads all the time. There's, there's, there's some tension there. Maybe for you, it's, it's an in-law who makes subtle comments and digs at, at you at the, the dinner, ta- dinner table for, for family birthday. Maybe for you, it's a coworker. Like you just cannot stand working with, with this person. They're, they're in the office next to you. Maybe it's a church member that you've had some conflict with and there's this ongoing tension. Who is that person? Now, I don't want you to, to point at them if they're in this room. No, no pointing. I don't want you to whisper their name to the person sitting next to you. I just want you to, to think about them. I want you to, to have them in your mind throughout today's message. And don't worry. I've got my person in mind too. They helped inspire this message. So today's message is going to be a little bit different than the past two weeks. We're not just going to be walking through one specific passage. We're going to be taking a look at several different verses. But my goal, my my, my hope for today is to just get super practical, to talk through, okay, how do we actually do this? How do we live unoffended lives? As we wrap up this series, I just want to give you some application that you can take home and apply to your lives particularly when it comes to the relationships in your life, the good ones and the bad ones, the people that you see on a consistent basis, the people that you're interacting with daily and and weekly, because the people that we spend the most time with, the people that we're in closest contact with, they're the ones who typically have the ability to offend us the most. So how do we do this? How do we live an un- offended life. This morning, I want to give you four steps to take when you are offended by someone else. Four steps to take. And if you're taking notes, the the first one is this. Identify why you're offended. Identify why you are offended. You know, so often we get offended and have no idea why we're actually offended. And if someone were to ask us why we're so upset, why we were so bothered by what someone said or what they did, we wouldn't really be able to answer their question. 
We wouldn't really know why. We don't know why we're offended. We just know that we are. We just know that we're frustrated and that we're angry and that we're upset. But you see, I think it's important for us to identify what exactly is making us upset. What's causing us to get defensive? What's causing us to to get worked up? And in the book of James, there's a couple of verses that I think provide some helpful insight for us into this, kind of exploring, okay, what's going on inside of us when we're offended? And in James chapter four, starting in verse one, it says this. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? What causes that conflict? What causes you to, to be offended? He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You see, when it comes to us being offended, James points to something that's going on internally. He says that we have these desires in our heart and these desires battle within us. And one of the desires that all of us in this room has is how we are treated by other people. We have a desire to be treated with respect. We have a desire to be treated with with kindness. We desire to to be treated with, with, with fairness. And when that desire isn't met, when we feel like, like someone has mistreated us or, or been rude to us, well, it causes us to react. It causes us to, to respond. It produces this conflict and this strife in our lives. You see, when we're offended, there, there's something inside of us that's, that's at war. There's a desire inside of us that, that feels like it's under attack. And what do we do when we feel like we're being attacked? We get defensive. We put walls up. We try and protect ourselves at at all costs. And being offended, being outraged, being angry, being upset is our way of trying to protect ourselves. We put up these walls. It's our natural response when we feel attacked. And this is why I think it's so important for us to, to try to figure out, okay, what's going on internally? What's causing us to to respond the way that we are? What inside of us feels like it's being attacked? And when we're offended, it's typically one of two things. It's either our pride or our insecurity that feels like it's being attacked. It's either our pride or insecurity. You know, for some of us, when when people say something rude to us or they, they mistreat us, we feel like our pride has been attacked. And we'll say things like, they disrespected me, or they they talked down to me, or they belittled me, they were dismissive of me. And when our pride is hurt, when our pride is wounded, it causes us to lash out. We think, who do they think they are? You know, don't, don't they know who I am? I deserve to be treated better than this. And we feel the need to put them in their place to let them know you can't walk all over me. We can't afford to look weak. When our pride is attacked, it causes us to lash out and to respond. But sometimes it's not our pride, it's our insecurity that feels attacked. Somebody will say something or do something that it hits a nerve. It hits something that's very personal for us. 
Our boss at work will sit us down and give us some, some, some not so great feedback about a, an area in our job that we don't have a lot of confidence in. Or a family member points out an issue in our life and that issue we're, we're very sensitive about. We don't like it being brought up. Or your friend, he doesn't, they, they don't invite you to, to dinner with the group and you feel excluded and you feel threatened, you feel vulnerable, your insecurities are being attacked, so you respond to that attack by being offended. You see, we need to begin to pay attention to what's going on inside of our hearts, what's going on internally. We need to start asking ourselves those tough questions like, why did that upset me so much? Like, really, why did that upset me? Why is it causing me to get so defensive? What desire in my heart feels like it's under attack right now? And as we begin to, to look internally, as we begin to ask those tough questions, oftentimes we realize that the offense, it has less to do with that person and it has more to do with what's inside of us. Like what they did, what they said, it wasn't even offensive. It wasn't malicious. It wasn't rude. It wasn't some personal attack against us. But there's some, some pride. There's some insecurity in our hearts that's being exposed. It's shining some, some light on what's going on internally. We, at first, when we're offended, we need to identify, okay, what is going on inside of my heart? The second thing we need to do is we need to chill out. Sometimes we just need to chill out. See, when you're angry or when you're upset with someone, one of the best things you can do is to just take a step back. Don't respond, don't retaliate, don't try to get even, just chill out. Just relax for a minute. Because the way you respond to an offense is either going to escalate the situation or it's going to diffuse the situation. And a quick response will typically escalate the situation because a quick response is often an emotional response. Listen to what James says in James chapter one. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, pay, pay attention. Everyone, they should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger, it does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't make good decisions when I'm angry. Like the, the rational, logical part of my brain, it just shuts off and stops working when I'm upset. And I end up saying things and doing things that I often regret. I end up pouring gas on the fire and escalating the conflict. I end up making the, the situation worse. And I don't have the kind of personality where I start a lot of conflict, but I am an expert at escalating conflict. Like I've got a master's degree in, in escalating conflict, but James says that instead we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. We need to actually listen to what that person's saying. We don't need to be trying to coming up with, with our response while they're still talking. We need to actually listen, to pay attention. Okay, what's behind these words that they say? What's the true motive behind what they're telling us? But then we need to be slow to respond. 
We need to be careful and cautious with our words, with how we respond to what they say, to what we do. And James says that if we do this, if we will be quick to listen, if we will be slow to speak, slow to respond, then we will become slow to anger. We will be slow to becoming offended. We will diffuse the situation rather than escalating it. I love what Proverbs 19.11 says. It says that a person's wisdom, it yields patience. It produces a slow response. It is to one's glory, to one's benefit, to overlook an offense. Here, the, the, the writer in Proverbs is connecting our ability to overlook an offense with our patience, with our ability to be slow to respond. So if you're hurt by someone or someone does something that you find offensive, take a step back for a minute. Chill out for a minute. Let the emotions of the situation, the emotions of the conflict come down. And take time to to, to process what's happened. Try to figure out, okay, why is this bothering me so much? And compose yourself before you respond. Compose yourself so you don't pour more gas on the fire and escalate the conflict. You know, one of the most helpful things I can do for myself when I'm angry, when I'm frustrated, is to just go to bed. Like, just, just sleep on it. Like, I try not to, to send that late night text message or that late night email when, when I'm tired, when my, my, my emotions are just kind of wearing on me, when, when I'm frustrated. Because in the morning, my, my, my mind is, is clear again. The emotions of the situation have, have kind of worn off. And I'm able to see things clearly. And that thing that at 11 p.m. I was frustrated about, I was laying in bed, I couldn't sleep because of it. In the morning, it's like, man, that that wasn't even a big deal. That that wasn't them trying to be rude. They weren't attacking me. I was all worked up about it, but I slept on it. I let the emotions wear off and I realized it wasn't that big of a deal. And even if in the morning, if I'm still hurt, if I'm still bothered by by what they said or what they did, I'm in a much better position, much better place to respond, to respond in a way that will diffuse the situation and not escalate it. We need to identify, okay, why am I offended? And then we just need to, to chill out. We need to take a step back. But then number three is this. We need to believe the best. We need to believe the best. You know, it's, it's a really funny thing that, that we, we do. We tend to assume the best about ourselves. We will come up with the best possible explanation for our behavior. We'll, we'll even find ways to justify our, our bad behavior. Like, hey, I was, I was just stressed. They, they caught me at a, at a bad time. Or I've got a lot going on in my life right now. They should be more understanding of, of everything on, on my plate, everything I'm dealing with. Or you know what, I was, I was just kidding. Like I didn't mean anything by it. I wasn't serious, I was just kidding. Or you know, they're, they're just being too sensitive. They need to have some, some thicker skin. They need to not be so sensitive. We love to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. But then we will turn around and assume the worst about other people. We'll assign motives to them that don't even match reality. Oh, they didn't text me back. It's been four hours since I text them. They must not like me. They must have a, a serious problem with me. 
Oh, they gave me a weird look the other day in the office when we were crossing paths, or they gave me a weird look at, at church. They must have, have an issue. I must have done something that made them mad. Or, they, you know, they were really short with me the other day. They didn't have a lot of patience with me. They must be mad at me. I must have done something that's, that's upset them. We make up these stories. We make up these narratives in our minds. We come up with the worst possible explanation for why they did what they did. But what if we changed our approach? What if we treated other people the way that we treat ourselves? What if we came up with the best possible explanation for their behavior? What if we decided, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. What if that was our default response whenever we suffer an offense? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is a passage I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Paul says this. He says that love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. But then he says this, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Paul says that love always trusts. It always hopes. Other translations say that love believes all things. Meaning that love, what we're called to, to extend as followers of Jesus, love isn't skeptical of other people. Love doesn't assign false motives. Love doesn't go looking for wrongdoing and looking for offense. Love believes the best. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. So when someone does something to us that, that hurts us or something that we don't like, rather than assuming the worst about them, rather than coming up with these stories and these narratives in our mind, what if we said, you know what, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna come up with the best possible explanation I can think of for why they did or why they said what they did. You know what? They, they didn't mean anything personal by it. I know it, it hurt my feelings, but they weren't trying to hurt my feelings. You know, they, they, they have a lot going on right now. They've got a lot going on at work. They've got that, that home situation. I caught them at a bad time. It wasn't them trying to be mean to me. They're, they're just stressed out. You know, I'm sure they didn't mean to come across that way. Like if they knew how I received that, they would not have said it that way. We come up with the best possible explanation. And look, even if the explanation that we come up with isn't accurate, even if their, their, their intentions weren't good, even if it was personal, it still allows us to be unoffended. Because believing the best isn't so much for the benefit of the other person. Believing the best is for our own benefit. It allows us to have peace about the situation, peace about the conflict, peace about that relationship. And I, I just wanna add one more thing but before we move on. And, and I think some of us, we, we really need to hear this today. Most people don't wake up thinking about how they can ruin your day. They don't. I think sometimes we convince ourselves that everybody has us in mind when they say something or do something. And their, their post on, on Facebook was somehow directed at us personally. And I, I don't say this to, to be rude, 
but most people aren't thinking about you. Like people don't think, wake up thinking, hmm, how am I gonna ruin Matthew's day today? You know, when I say this, when I do this, when I post this, this is a personal attack against him. People don't wake up thinking about that. Not everyone is out to get us. Not everything is some personal attack. And I think it's important for us to not think too highly of ourselves, to not think that the world revolves around us, but instead we need to believe the best. We need to take a step back and and stop assigning these false motives and assuming the worst about other people. And then finally, this one's the, the most difficult, but by far the most impactful. We need to extend grace. We need to extend grace. You know, as, as, as Christians, you know, we know that we're called to, to show grace. And uh, we, we tend to measure the grace that, that we show by the way we treat other people. And in general, you know, most of us are, are pretty kind. We're pretty considerate to other people. And I think most of us in here would say, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty gracious, Matthew. I'm, I, I'm a pretty nice person. I'm considerate. I'm kind to other people. But listen, being kind to someone who's kind to you, that isn't grace. That's just basic human decency. Because if they've been kind to you, they have earned, they deserve your kindness in response. Grace is giving someone something that they haven't earned, that they don't deserve. Grace is extending kindness and compassion to someone who hasn't earned it, meaning that grace is not needed if you've been treated with kindness and respect. Grace is only necessary if you've been wronged. It's only needed if you have suffered an offense. In fact, look at what Jesus says in, in Luke chapter six. He says this, and he's kind of, kind of being sarcastic here. He says, if you love those who love you, like what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who, who love them. And if you do good to, to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to repay to be repaid in full. But this is what I'm calling you to do. I'm telling you to love your enemies, to do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Because listen, God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So be merciful just as your heavenly father is merciful. Jesus says, what, what good is it if you love someone who loves you? That, you know, what good is it if you're kind to, to someone who's kind to you? He says, everybody does that. Even people who don't follow Jesus do that. That's not difficult, that's easy. That doesn't cost you anything. But I'm calling you to something that's difficult. I'm calling you to something that's actually gonna cost you something. I'm calling you to extend grace, to extend kindness and compassion to those who offend you and to those who wrong you. You know, for years, I was all about fair and right. Fair and right. I was a, a very black and white kind of kid and that even carried on into to, to my college years and my early years of, of marriage. I, I drew hard lines I was, I was a rule follower, 
But here, here's what I've come to realize, especially over the last few years of, of, of being in ministry. Fair isn't our goal as followers of Jesus. Being right isn't our goal. Grace is our goal. Giving people what they do not deserve, what they have not earned, that is our goal. We have been called, we have been commanded to love our enemies, to extend grace to those who offend us. And when we think that we have shown enough grace, when we've hit the ceiling, when we think we've hit the limit of grace, that's when we are called to extend even more because grace by definition means that it has no limit. It cannot run out. If you are a follower of Jesus, that is what he is calling you and commanding you to. Listen to what Paul writes in in Colossians chapter three. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, you're holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bear with each other. He's writing this to a church implying like expect that people are gonna wrong you, expect that they're gonna offend you, bear with them and forgive one another if any has a grievance against someone. And then he says to forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see the grace that we are called to extend to others, it's always rooted in the grace that we have received from God. That's why when Jesus says, I want you to love He says, I want you to love the way that I've loved you. He says, I want you to be merciful the way your heavenly father has been merciful to you. I want you to forgive the way God has forgiven you. So if extending grace is something that you struggle with, if you kind of push back against that idea, maybe you've lost sight of the grace that God has extended to you. You see, as followers of Jesus, we must consistently remind ourselves of the grace that God has shown us. That while we were still sinners, while we were living in rebellion, while we were living a life that was offensive to a holy God, Christ died for us. Christ showed us compassion and love and mercy and grace. Christ offered us forgiveness for our sins. So who is that person? Who is that person that consistently offends you? you know, my, my prayer, my, my hope is that you would take these steps, maybe one of them, maybe two of them, maybe all of them, and that you would apply them to that relationship this week. You know, maybe for some of you, you, you need to begin looking internally like this, this conflict you have with somebody, the thing that you're offended about, what they're doing really isn't, isn't even that offensive. But there, there's some pride, there, there's some, some insecurity in your heart that, that God is beginning to, to expose. You know, maybe, maybe for some of you, you just need to, you need to chill out a little bit. You need to take a step back rather than constantly getting into it with that person and being quick to respond. You need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And maybe for some of you, you just need to start believing the best. 
you come up with these stories in your head, you assign motives to people and their actions and their words and their Facebook posts. And whether you're right or not, you need to begin giving them the benefit of the doubt the same way you want them to give you the benefit of the doubt. But if all those things fail, God is still calling you, God is still inviting you to extend grace to that person. And this week, I wanna wanna challenge you to look for tangible ways to show grace, to extend grace in that relationship. You know, one of the the, the greatest ways that you can show grace to someone else is is by praying for them. In Romans 12, 14, it says this, to bless those who persecute you, bless those who offend you. Don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. You know, a, a couple months ago, God began to uh, convict me about a, a relationship in my life, a relationship that was causing a lot of frustration. I was being offended very easily. And, and I felt God leading me to start praying for this person on a daily basis. So I, I start praying for this person and, and you know what happened? They gave me more opportunities to show them grace. And I was like, God, that's not really uh, what I had in mind when I started praying for them. I was hoping you would fix them, you would change them, you would do something about them. But as I continued to pray, God began to reveal some, some things in, in my heart. Some, some bad attitudes uh, that I was developing, some, some false motives I was assigning. And while God uh, you know, may need to do some work on them, I realized first God needs to do some, some work in my heart. And I began to, to change the way I was praying where I started to pray for God's blessing in their life. And I started praying for the strength to show grace when I needed to.